Well, uh, thanks, Bill. Um, so important. I mean, goes without saying what's uh, what's up this week on Tuesday. Um, but I thought I'd ask Bill a question, Bill, uh, before he goes down. You know, it was a football game yesterday, and uh, our subject today is motivation for the sermon. So it's really appropriate that I ask Bill this question, and that is. You know, what do you think motivates these football players to win, <clears throat> you know, the Nebraska guys to win the game yesterday, you know? Well, I think um, probably one of the big factors was with about a minute and 40 seconds left in the game, Nebraska was trailing. And they probably were beginning to think is, uh, is uh, the possibility of playing in Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship slipping yeah. away from us. That would be pretty big motivation because that was one of the early goals they established at the start of the season. Yeah. Big motivation, right. yeah. Um, what might be a second one? Uh, what, well, I, there, in the you know, I could probably that? make yeah. a long list, but uh, one that comes to mind is uh, the competitive nature of, yeah. of these athletes. Um, these guys go out on the field, and they're, they're not only skilled, but they are very competitive. The last thing they want to do is lose. Losing is uh, about the worst thing that they could think of. Yeah. So that's pretty motivating when you're competitive and you don't want to get beat. Yeah, you just don't want to get, right. you don't want to lose. And then I think. Uh, mom, right? Well, what mom would say. Mom, I think a uh, little fear uh, would Bo probably Pelini, be there. Can you imagine? Locker room can you imagine after? going back in the locker room and uh, Bo Pelini and listen, having to face him? I mean, well, you've seen him on the sidelines when the yeah. referees get a little out of Oh, he's got such a nice <laughs> smile. Yeah. And he gets a little red in the face. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, can you imagine if you missed, a, if you missed an assignment on, on, that cost oh. you a touchdown or you caused a penalty that was critical? I yeah. think, think Pelini would. I know he was uh, thinking about going and giving Brett Maher a fits because he missed that 30-yard field goal. But he looked over at Brett Maher and saw he was already so down on himself, he decided not to not pursue yet. it further. But, wow. So, All right. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Sure. Thanks for praying. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I know we'd all agree that motivation has, uh, you know, how motivated we are has a huge impact on how much effort we put into something. And very often, it, it also uh, determines the end result, or at least has a huge impact on what the end result is, what we're doing. This morning, we're going we're gonna to look at this whole thing of motivation. And what we're going to see is how it's possible for us to live with two profoundly different motivations that have two entirely different results in our lives. And the issue, it all comes down to the issue of, of, of who, who our audience is. One of audience. Who we value the most in, when it comes to seeing what it is that we do. And whatever our circumstances may be, I think we're going to see what we talk about this morning, how relevant it is to every one of our lives. I mean, you could be someone who's on top of the world. Life's going your way. You're, you're getting the approval and applause from every direction. And what you're going to see in what we talk about this morning is how, how Jesus helps you to keep the right perspective, if this is where it's at for you right now, or, or you could be in a place that you've chosen to be. And I've thought of a lot of different examples of that. And, and, and one might be uh, you being a stay-at-home mom. You love it. In fact, what I'm saying is I think true for moms and dads and 
any situation. But, you know, sometimes it happens when you're a stay-at-home mom. Let's say you were in the workplace first and you're, you know, you, you, in the workplace you got a lot of verbal affirmations and pats on the back and, and you don't quite get those as much at home. And every once in a while you might wonder to yourself, you know, is, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And I think you're going to see what Jesus says in these verses about motivation, why you do and what you do emphasizes that every moment that you invest in the lives of your children, man, it's, it's totally worth it. Or you might say, you know, Steve, I'm in a rut. I don't, I don't get affirmations at all, ever. I, nobody gives me a pat on the back or their approval. And, you know, I, I just want you to leave here today and to be encouraged with the amazing truth that you have an audience of one and that's God himself and it might be true that your situation is that no one no one's really giving you approval for what you're doing and I I want you to be able to see through today's passage that God is absolutely aware of everything you do and and God's gonna God's gonna bless you and God's in the end of it all is gonna reward you in a huge way or you might be in something that's deeper than a rut uh, you're drudging through life with loss of purpose. And for you today, I, I want you to see that God, God loves you. God loves you. And, and, and I, want, I want you to see that God can give to you a purpose in your life that is incredibly fulfilling. Give you huge joy. And so whatever your circumstances might be today, I'm confident that what Jesus says in today's passage can inspire you and can encourage you in a huge way. We get into that, the chapter we're in today, uh, Matthew chapter 6, and we see that Jesus gets right to the heart of the matter, why we do what we do, who we do it for, and what it is that motivates us. And he, and he speaks to it through three different examples of what he calls acts of righteousness, and charity, and prayer, and fasting, and and, and what we're going to see is that all three have two things in common. There, there's a right way to do each one, and why we do what we do determines the reward we're going to receive. Now, I think, it, I think it's helpful for us in all of this uh, to understand who was uh, the target of what Jesus said in these verses. Jesus had everybody in mind, obviously, in the crowd, but there were a specific group of people that he was uh, really, really targeting. And the thing about this, uh, and it was the religious leaders of Israel, and the thing about this is until Jesus came along, people's one source of teaching had been these religious leaders, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and the teachers of the law, and they, they were their spiritual leaders. And as far as what people could tell, they... They thought they, they could do no wrong. But it isn't far into a sermon that Jesus sets the record straight with this statement in the fifth chapter of Matthew. He said, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teaches the law, you're not going to enter the kingdom of God. He, he, he said that, and then he gave one example after another where they comp compromised God's word to to make it fit what they wanted to do. So what looked like righteousness to, to people looking at their lives really wasn't 
was anything but righteous. And then in the verses we come to this morning, Jesus kind of like digs in a little bit more with these guys. He focuses on what it was that motivated them. And he opens up this subject with this statement in the first verse of chapter 6. He, he's speaking to all the crowd, but he's speaking about these guys. He said, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. You know, if any of, of Israel's religious leaders were in the crowd that day, you can just bet that Jesus had their attention with what he just said. Nothing, nothing subtle here. I love what Chuck Swindle said about this. I came across it. Uh, so much fun. He said, he said, there wasn't a Pharisee within gunshot range who wouldn't have given his last denarius to see Jesus strung up by sundown. Never in their notorious smug careers had they been pierced with such deadly accuracy. The mistake, though, anyone in the crowd could have made that day is to look at those men and not look at themselves into their own hearts. Because as much as those guys were doing what Jesus said not to do, every person listening to him that day, had the same potential to do exactly the same thing. And, and, and you know what, everybody, you and I have that same potential. I mean, it's there for all of us. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll speak for myself first. I, it, it's, it's as much there for me. It's so easy to do what I do to be seen by others, to impress, to live the life God calls me to live, to win the approval and the applause of others. I can do that with what I'm doing right now, preaching. I could, I could make the mistake of having my motivation to preach, to preach to impress, rather than to preach to help inspire and encourage and challenge and you know, really preach for the right reason, why I, why I should be preaching. And one of the things I, I treasure about our son Greg is um, a statement that he used to say over and over again, and, and, he, and, and he would listen to my sermon Sunday night, and, and then he would text me after, and, and I, I remember one of the times, it was a sermon he thought I'd done, done well at, and he said, I'm proud of you, Dad, but, but Dad, but Dad, he said, but remember, it's, it's, it's not for your glory, it's for, for God's glory. Yeah, I just love that. The deal here for all of us is that Jesus doesn't let us stay comfortable with what's so easy to do and, and so easy to rationalize or excuse in our lives. Let me, let, let me ask you this. Do, do you have, by any chance, do you have something that more than anything else, when you wear it, you're just totally comfortable? You know, it's that thing you wear at home, you don't wear anywhere else, maybe. I, I have one of those. And when the weather starts getting cool, like in the fall, in the winter, I have this one piece of clothing I love to wear. It's a, it's a flannel shirt. I don't know what it is about the cotton in it. it yeah. And, and, and the thing about it, it looks good with anything you wear. I mean, you know, and, 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 and Becky, I got to tell you, Becky still, she is amazed every time I carry the garbage out uh, Tuesday morning with that on. You know. In fact, it, it occurred to me when I did this, maybe that's why the dogs across the street bark at me all the time, you know. They're scared. They're wondering what it is, you know. What Jesus does in 
all of, all of the Sermon on the Mount, and he does it in today's passage, is he stops us from staying with what's comfortable in our lives. And, and, and honestly, it's not easy to hear what he has to say, but, but here's the deal, everybody. And it's, it's what I said last Sunday, and I could say every Sunday with this sermon. It's, 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 it's really key to all of this, and it's so absolutely encouraging. And, it, and it's this. It's, if Jesus Christ is your Savior, the Spirit of God is living in you, and he's not in you doing nothing. He's in you so that he would, he would give to you both the desire and the power you need to live the life that Christ is asking all of us to live. And, and so really, you and I, all of us can get out of our comfort zone, and we can do quite well. Because we have the Spirit of God living in us. And I would also say this. If you're still on a, on a, a spiritual journey and, and you're still asking yourself the question, should I, should I believe in Jesus Christ or shouldn't I? And I would just say that what we're going to look at this morning, how Jesus Christ, what he taught, what he said, because it's so absolutely true, I think it's, it's another reason why, yes, Jesus Christ is somebody you can believe in. And you can trust in him. So let's look at this. Here's how Jesus gets right to the, what I would say, the heart of the heart of the matter. Being our motivation. Why we do what we do and who we do it for. And, and again, he, he speaks to this to us with three different examples of what he calls acts of righteousness. First of all, charity and in verses uh, 2 through 4, and then, then prayer in verse 5 and 6, and then fasting in verses 16, 17, and 18. And, and, and why he used these is that these were considered to be pillars in, in the Jewish faith of what it meant to be a good Jewish person, to, to be very religious, to be a good person. And again, what Jesus shows us is that these three things have two things in common. They... They show, he, Jesus shows us through them there's a, there's a right way to do each one. And then why we do each one determines the reward that we're going to receive. So let's, let's look at this. First of all, there's a right way to do each one. What it is that motivates us. Why we do what we do and who we do it for. And Jesus, what, what, what you discover when you read these verses is that Jesus says the same thing about each one of these acts of righteousness. He, he first gives the, the wrong way and then the right way to do each one, beginning with charity in verse 2, and, and first of all, the wrong way to give. And, and so he said, he said, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I mean, you read that, can't you feel the love coming from the religious leaders when they hear him say this? Yeah. Especially when he called them hypocrites. I mean, he's describing what they've been doing. Here's what they should have done. He, he goes on in verse 3 and 4, he said, When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Have you ever wondered what that left hand, right hand thing is all about? It's a metaphor, Okay. It's a metaphor where, where for when, when, when you let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, it means that you're congratulating yourself. It's like the left hand is saying, good job, right hand. You know, way to go, right hand. Yeah. 
So here these guys are giving to the poor, and they want everybody to know that, that they're doing this. They want a reputation for doing this. They, they want the honor, and, and really they're filled with a kind of patronizing paternalism toward the poor, and a lot, a lot of self-congratulations on the inside. So first of all, charity, and then there's prayer. First, the wrong way to pray. He said, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they loved to pray, standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by men. They pray to be seen. I mean, it's clear and simple. That's what motivates them. Exactly the wrong way and the wrong reason to pray. It's no accident that one of the strongest statements Jesus made to show the hypocrisy of these men had to do with prayer. You'll find it in, in the 12th chapter of Mark's Gospel. And it's a really serious statement. He, he said this describing these men. He said, they, they devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. He said, such men will be punished most severely. So see, God, God doesn't take that lightly. Jesus gave the right way to pray in, in verse 6. He, he said, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Now, don't misunderstand this, everybody. The issue here isn't where you're praying. That's, that's not really the deal. The issue is what it is that motivates us. And what should motivate us in prayer is, is, that, is to focus on what matters most to God. It shouldn't, we shouldn't be thinking about, well, who's going to be noticing that I'm praying? You know, that, that shouldn't be the deal. And then there's fasting. First, the wrong way to fast. He, verse 16, he said, when, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. You know what I thought about with this one? You almost wonder if one of those guys was standing in the crowd right there that day, someone who had been fasting, and they, they did this. They made, them, they made it so obvious to everybody that they had been fasting. So there they are, standing in the crowd, and Jesus makes that very pointed statement. Can't you just see all the eyes of everybody just like, whoa, you know, or, I mean, it's something, it's like this guy would know, I have just been nailed to the floor, you know. Uh, I, I, I could just see him kind of like slipping away if he possibly, possibly could. Jesus goes right on to give the right way to fast. He said, verse 17, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it would not be obvious to men that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. In other words, he said, just do what you do every day to, to make yourself look good. He said, you know, don't. Make it obvious that you're fasting. I'm sorry, you know, but I love, I absolutely love how Jesus nails these guys. <laughs> yeah. But you know what the truth is? He nails me to the floor. He takes me out of where I'm comfortable to looking carefully at what motivates me for anything I do, whether it's giving financially to help, a, to help another person or praying or fasting or what, whatever it might be. And 
Here's why this is so important, everybody. Why we can't, this is what we can't miss about this. If you're motivated by anything other than a deep love for God and, and for people, what you do will always have an element of stinginess to it. You know what I mean? You'll always be holding back. You'll always be counting the cost. And in a certain sense, you'll always be hedging your bets. Yeah. You see, the truth is, anything less than a passionate love for God and a, and a strong sense of compassion for people simply doesn't inspire us to do our best. That, that's one reason why I think we got a great mission statement as a church leading people toward passion for God and compassion for people. Because, I mean, that's the heart of the matter. Now, I, I, I want to really encourage you to give this serious thought. And, and even as we're going into communion this morning, ask yourself this question. What, what is it that, that is motivating me for doing what I'm doing as a follower of Jesus Christ? What's motivating me? You see, there's, a, there's an irony in all of this. If you do what you do to impress other people, you're going to always end up feeling empty. Never satisfies. But if you do it out of a heart of love for God and people, it's incredibly fulfilling. Which really leads us to the, to the second thing that I'd like us to say, see in what Jesus said in these verses is why we do what we do determines our reward. And, and again, Jesus said the same thing about each one of these acts of righteousness. And the, I mean, this is so powerful. The, the hypocrites who gave and prayed and fasted to be seen by others and win their praise, you know what? They got exactly what they wanted. Jesus identified it with a statement he repeated three times for each one of these acts of righteousness. First of all in verse 2, then in, in verse 5, and then the third time in verse 16, this statement, and, and I can just hear him say it, the, the force of his voice, you know, he, he said, I tell you the truth, I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. In other words, they got exactly what they wanted. Exactly. But that's all they got. They did what they did. People saw them do it. Some were impressed and their egos got a bit more inflated. But you know what? It might have felt good for the moment. But when the moment's over, I guarantee you it's over. I mean, if that doesn't leave a person feeling empty, I don't know what does. Right? You have this brief moment where you're impressing everybody around you, or you think you are. And they tell you they're impressed whether they are or not. And then it's over. You know, it's, it's done. It doesn't stay with you as something that's satisfying or fulfilling it. I mean, it doesn't. You, you, you live this way to satisfy your ego, and you've got to find another opportunity to satisfy it again. You know what? It's like you're addicted to a drug and getting a fix. It never satisfies. You're always pursuing another fix. <laughs> but, and here's... I mean, here's what's so great about this passage, why it's such an awesome privilege to see it with you. 
you know, and why I've been so motivated all week to be able to share this sermon with you today. It's, it's this, if you and I do what Jesus tells us to do, if you and I live with the right motivation in our life, there's a reward waiting for us that gives ultimate satisfaction and fulfillment, you know. Never ends. Never ends because it's God who gives it to us and we're going to have it for all of eternity. You see, Jesus did the same thing here. He, he repeats this promise three times with these words. And again, I can, man, I could just see the smile on his face, you know, the, the joy in his words where he said, your father who sees what is done in secret, he's going to reward you. He said this in verse 4, verse 6, and verse 18. I mean, what an amazing promise this is for all of us. I'd say it's incredibly motivating. You know what, everybody? Live this way, and you've got the best of both worlds. Yeah? There's huge satisfaction right now in living for God's glory and in loving God and, and loving people. Huge satisfaction every day of our lives on this earth. And then, and then you've got this promise that God's going to reward you forever. The best of both worlds. So what's the motivation that Jesus is pointing to? Don't want us to miss it. It's to bring God all the glory and honor that we can bring him each and every day of our lives. It's to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. And it's to do what we do with a heart that's just filled with love for people. Remembering this. You and I have an audience of one every single moment of our lives. When nobody else is seeing what we're doing, God himself sees everything that we do. Well, I'd say that's the way to live life, wouldn't you? Knowing who really matters and what really matters. Let's pray as we uh, prepare our hearts for communion. I'm going to I'm going to pray and then Rob's going to lead us in a song and then I'm going to come back and, and guide us through communion, all right? Let's pray. Oh, Father, I, I think of your son, Jesus Christ, who is our example over and over again. He was motivated by his love for you and his love for each one of us. What we're going to, what we're going to share together this morning, communion, you know, that's really the heart of, of what it's all about. Father, help us to look into our own hearts. In Christ's name, amen.